I've seen this raw strength only once before. It didn't scare me enough then. It does now. edition of the Narrative First Podcast, the weekly podcast where story is always king. I'm your host, Jim Hull, the voice of Narrative First, and this is episode 51, using Dramatica the right way. Hello, everyone, once again. Welcome back to another round of exciting story structure and story analysis from a Narrative First point of view. I'll be talking about the Dramatica theory of story and the very, very best way that you can actually use the theory and actually give you some practical tips and tricks so that you can save yourself a mountain of headache and a lifetime of frustration just by using the different techniques that I, I have in store for you. I have a bunch of different uh, things that I want to talk about this week. First up, just finished Children of Time this morning, Adrian Tchaikovsky. It's the book I recommended a couple weeks ago. The book is so fantastic. The ending is not even anything close to what I expected. I can't believe the last 30% of the book I read, probably in like a day or two. If you haven't started reading yet, I can't recommend the book enough. Children of Time, Adrian Tchaikovsky. Believe me, you will thank me later. Next up, I want to recommend Atypical. It's a series on Netflix. It's about a family who has an autistic son who is a senior in high school and what it's like when he starts dating. And the series is fantastic. As the parent of children who are on the spectrum, I have to say it's a really accurate account of what it's like and the kind of emotional ups and downs that you go through. But even more than that, it's got great storytelling, great story forming. Uh, the first episode has a clear story form, the entire series, even though I still have the last episode to get through, I'm almost positive based on the episodes before that they will be telling a complete story. And it'll be interesting to do an analysis of the entire series once I finish watching it. Right now, I'm just enjoying it and by enjoying it I mean I recognize a lot of what's going on there and not not just because it's filmed on location in my hometown of Santa Clarita in Valencia Newhall and that she's running around the track if you want to know where I played football okay so watch uh, atypical and when she goes to her track meets and she's running around the field that's the field that I I was I used to play football in, in high school it's very exciting for me and where I graduated from yeah so check out atypical and when you get a chance and see if you can figure out the story form and write to me if you've got the idea about it. But overall, it's a it's a really great series. And it's very uh, from as far as narrative first is concerned and dramatica, it's great to see how you can tell a complete story over the course of an entire season. So my two recommendations this week, the novel Children of Time and the Netflix series Atypical. Next up, I've been getting some letters lately, some nice ones and some not nice not so nice ones for people who feel like everything should be free. Uh, next up, Mike Lucas has started blogging. Mike is a former Dramatica mentorship student. He went through the program last year, and he is the one who came up with the Princess Bride story form that you'll find on the Dramatica site, the main Dramatica site there, and I'll, I'll leave a link to that in the show notes. Mike has actually started blogging, which is great. Every now and then, people get excited or inspired to actually write about their experiences with Dramatica and writing, you know, either their novels or screenplays. And I love 
reading these things because it's a completely different viewpoint of what I'm used to. I obviously know exactly what I think about the theory and what I've gone through and what I've learned about it and that I love sharing that with other people. And then it's great to hear other people's account of it, especially someone who has a really strong command of it and is actually able to see things that I overlooked. Like the first, you know, I watched The Princess Bride and never occurred to me that inconceivable would be the overall story concern. So he writes about my post it's either my post or my podcast because i do a lot of the a lot of posts and a lot of podcasts about the fugitive about universe and one of the big points of this podcast about using dramatica the right way is to roll back to the original terminology if you have your dramatica story expert application open right now i would strongly suggest that you do the following Go up to Dramatica Story Expert, or if you're on the PC, I, I forget where it is. Isn't it edit? Aren't the preferences some for some reason under edit? I forget. It's been a long time since I've had to suffer through a PC. Uh, you go up to preferences and under, where did it go? Under general, you will see term swap options, and you have version 5, version 4, and original labels. Whatever you do, stay away from version four. Version four has main versus impact, which is a crazy, not good way to think of the relationship story through line. It also has logical and intuitive for the main character problem solving style, which you know now is linear and holistic. So I would definitely suggest staying away from version four. Don't even get close to that. What you wanna do is you wanna click that radio button that says original labels and Unfortunately, there needs to be some kind of hybrid, and it would be great if somebody invented something where you can choose between the two. Where, I, I mean, I, the relationship story through line is better than subjective story through line, and influence character through line is better than obstacle character through line. But universe, physics, mind, and psychology are way better than situation, fixed attitude, activity, and manner of thinking, which I will get into later why that is. That's what this whole podcast is about this time. But for now, if, you, if you're just learning the theory and if you actually want to learn, you actually want to develop your understanding, uh, if you just want to use it as a template just to create something really fast, maybe you could stay on version 5. But if you actually want to learn what's going on and get to a point where you can actually see beyond what's, what's actually there, what the labels are right there, I would strongly suggest moving to the original labels. You'll have to deal with mental sex instead of problem-solving style, but that's okay. And instead of linear or holistic, you'll have male or female, which to me is way more accurate, especially since it's talking about a story mind. But more importantly, it'll go back to the original terms like universe, mind, physics, and psychology. So one of the articles that I'd written a couple weeks ago was about the fugitive and about the difficulties people have when it comes to identifying whether or not the domain of a through line is either in the situation or activity because it's hard it's well they're in a situation or even though they're doing a bunch of things they're in a situation and that's because the word situation is a justified version of the original terminology which is universe and i explained how in the fugitive it was really a story about somebody who's been unjustly accused of murdering his wife so the universe is out of whack, meaning there has been a label that has been placed on him that is incorrect, and that's what the source of all the trouble in the story comes from. And I talked about how catching the criminal or anything like that, that wouldn't have solved the story. What solves the story is getting out of that state. Same thing with Shawshank Redemption. 
Uh, if you haven't seen it, I'm about to ruin it. When Andy gets out of prison, because he's also unjustly imprisoned, then everything is great and everything's resolved. And same thing with The Prestige, which we will talk about later on today about how that overall story is in the universe domain as well. So Mike was inspired because he's writing another novel, which is fantastic. And he writes, Jim's article reminded me that Dramatica gives us powerful objective tools. One of those tools is that we can apply what we know about a story's resolution to help understand the true source of conflict in the story. And that is a technique whereby you identify the initial inequity of a story, what actually kicked everything off, and then you're able to figure out what the goal of that story is, what's the What's the effort that everybody's moving towards in order to resolve that initial inequity? And then that helps you identify the domain of the overall story through line because the overall story goal is actually a part of the overall story through line. And Mike goes on, and this objective way of looking at narrative applies universally so that I am able to apply the lesson on the universe domain to my story despite its different domain. That's exactly why I write all these articles and the analysis and record the podcasts and do everything that I do answer questions on Discuss Dramatica Forum. Some people come to me and just want me to generate ideas and come up with things and give them the way forward. And they feel like, well, it's great that you're just analyzing the past, but that's what's already been done. You should think about the future. And I, I don't understand that thinking because the whole point of analyzing narratives that are already finished is that once you understand how they were constructed and how they were able to put together the different forces, the different dynamic forces and the different structural parts of the narrative, once you understand how those all work, then you can easily transpose it to your own story, even if it's in a different place, which is exactly what Mike is talking about here. His overall story is in psychology, and he's just taking the lesson that I gave about universe and applying it now to psychology, which is exactly the whole point of that. Jim's article made me realize something important. What this sequence is doing is demonstrating that there is a kind of sickness running through the story, a bad psychology in which even the good guys aren't thinking properly. This story's problems cannot be solved simply by catching the bad guys or finding the lost starfighter or destroying the incoming alien ship fleet. So he's identified the accurate source of conflict in his story, which is in the psychology domain. And what's really interesting about this part is the idea of it's not just the bad guys that are creating conflict. The good guys have psychological problems as well. That they're they're combating, they're coming into conflict over different ways of thinking. Essentially, how they think is where the source of conflict is. If you want to really develop your story and enrich it with lots of different conflict, take the overall story plot sequence. Uh, the plot sequence report is an advanced report in Dramatica. Take a look at that. And just look at the three, usually three, sometimes it's two uh, sequences that are labeled under the overall story. And of course, by saying three or two, I'm saying that I'm using the Armando Saldana Mora technique of combining the dynamic pairs. So if you have something that's like fact, security, threat, and fantasy, fact is the first sequence, security to threat is the second sequence, and fantasy is the last sequence. And the reason why security to threat works nicely is because they're dynamic pairs and they work together. Now, I know Chris Huntley, one of the co-creators of Dramatica, has said before that the order doesn't actually matter and that as you go below the type level, which is where the plot is, and you get to the theme level, which is where you see the sequences, that perhaps the model is not as accurate because you're dealing with all kinds of subjectivity. 
And so the actual order doesn't matter. It's been my experience that going in that order makes a huge difference and actually has a nice natural flow to it. It just feels great. So if you want to really enrich your story, take that overall story plot sequence, take those three items or two. Uh, the one that I was working on yesterday with a writer had uh, self-interest and morality was the first sequence and then approach to attitude was the second sequence. And the cool thing about that, and Armando mentions this in his book, and I've totally seen it happen, is that you don't just always have three sequences in every signpost. Sometimes you have two, sometimes you have four, most times you have the, the Z pattern that's there. When you go with that natural rhythm, it creates this like, it's nice because things aren't always the same in each and every act. It's dependent upon the actual kind of story that you're trying to tell. So take those three sequences and see them from both sides. It's not just the, the bad guys, quote unquote bad guys have issues with facts. Uh, let's say it's like in a, a context of, of learning, like they're trying to learn something, so they're disseminating false facts. Well, then the good guys also have trouble with their facts and what they see as being what's really going on. And so that way you have both sides are dealing with bad, uh, in this case, it's activities, but they're both experiencing conflict coming from the same source, the same actual source in the story form, which is that sequence right there, which is, or at least it, it looks to them like that's where the conflict is coming from. It's the facts, right? So the plot sequence report is a subjective view of the actual story form. And if you're able to do it from both sides, you will enrich the story. So another writer or team of writers that I was working with yesterday on a feature they were applying it to both the uh, protagonist and antagonist of the story. Like they were both dealing with issues of self-interest and morality, and they were both dealing with issues of approach and attitude, even though they weren't even in the same spot. They were just kind of both dealing with it from, I believe it was a doing context. I believe it was. I don't want to give away too much of the story. <laughs> I just gave away the whole story. The second signpost of this story, the overall story concern is in doing, and the context is self-interest to morality and approach to attitude. Then now you know how the whole thing ends. At any rate, if you're able to apply it to both sides, even if they're in different areas, you enrich your story and you make it fuller because you're doing the entire scope. You're not just, it's overall story, so you're not just siding with one side or the other. You're actually taking both sides of the argument. So I will leave a link to Mike's blog post in the show notes and of course, subscribe to his blog there and hopefully he'll be posting more in the future. And if you are so inspired to write your own posts about Dramatica or your experience working with the theory, by all means, please let me know so that I can talk about it on the podcast and also leave links to it so more and more people can hear what it is you have to say. And we all benefit because we will all get great stories in the end. Alrighty, on to more propaganda about using the older terminology instead of the newfangled, easy, quote-unquote, easy terminology. I received another letter from someone who frequently asked me questions. I didn't really ask if I could get permission to post, but uh, post his name. So let's just say he, uh, well, he asked me a question about, I believe, actually, I believe it's the same article about <laughs> universe and the fugitive and all that stuff. I told you, everybody has this difficulty identifying the difference between a situation and an activity. And I guarantee it has everything to do with those easy terms that are both situation and activity. 
So he writes in and asks, or says, I like that you're digging into the old terminology to get at concepts so that everyone stops arguing over definitions. Well, I'm trying. It still happens. However, I'm worried that universe now sounds a little too broad. You describe how dare, and I'm just going to interrupt, how dare you say something bad about Melanie and Chris and their original terminology. <laughs> Pox upon you. You describe, or this is back to the letter, you describe a universe conflict as something is out of whack in this universe, something out of balance with the things are externally ordered. And I, I know what I was getting at. I'll get to that in a second. I like this, but I imagine some readers slash listeners will respond, yeah, but doesn't that include activity in physics as well? Of course, it's the same problem with situation physics. If something is wrong with how things collide, couldn't you always say that something is out of whack in the universe? You could, depending on the context. I'm just curious how you would peel back activity to the bigger concept of physics, the way you've done with situation, universe, and how you'd recommend keeping the two, da two domains untangled. Thanks for writing in. Okay, so... And I love letters. If you have questions, I love letters. I would love some love letters. No, I love letters. So if you have any questions, please write to me. And I, this is a great way to answer them. So yes, how would you recommend keeping the two domains untangled? How do you keep universe and physics untangled? How do you keep situation and activity untangled? And the key beyond going back to that old terminology, rewind the tape and go back and see uh, the step-by-step, -step, go into your preferences and switch out to the original terminology and just use it. Use it for three months and then come back. Beyond that, what you wanna do is start seeing, uh, kind of like Neo, when he's he can read those all those, the green text and he can see beyond the matrix and see. So see beyond the labels to see what they're actually describing. And not so much the definitions, which I will get into later, somebody uses. The tendency at the beginning, and I used to do this too, is to take those definitions for like word for word because uh, Melanie went through and described the different concepts, the different points in the Dramatica table, the model of story elements, went through and described words that we usually know the understanding to and might have different definitions, and she gave the Dramatica definition, so they're very specific, and so the tendency is to take those as the letter, like that's it, like this is canon and how... How can it be anything else? And the way it gets beyond anything else and the way you can really step up your game and, and upgrade to the next level of Dramatica understanding is to understand that behind them all, behind all the different quads are the same four elements, which are knowledge, ability, thought, and desire. So the knowledge, uh, most often, let's just take the basic arrangement. So knowledge is in the upper left-hand corner and that is similar to universe. Uh, ability is in the upper right-hand corner, and that is most similar to physics. Thought is most similar to mind, and that's in the lower right. And then finally, psychology is most similar to desire, and that's in the bottom left. And that's the one that probably seems a little bit wacky. So the difference between the top two, knowledge and ability. So you have knowledge on one side, and you have ability on the other. And they also match up with, so those are the internal representations of base elements in the mind, okay? So the whole, all of Dramatica is, is based on these four elements, knowledge, ability, thought, and desire. And you have knowledge and ability, those are up at the top, and they match or they correlate to mass would be in the upper left, so knowledge is to mass as ability is to space. So that might be a little weird at first. Knowledge is to mass as ability is to space. So knowledge, you can see how chunks of knowledge in your mind could be like planets. I always think of it as space because I love space. 
So if you think of the mass of planets as being the knowledge in your mind, and you have these different bits of knowledge, you know, orbiting around different suns, all that stuff, that is how those two connect. And there's a weight to them. There's a, a mass to them. Now, abilities are the, you have your different individual chunks of knowledge, right? And when you have a bunch of different chunks of knowledge that are kind of in the same solar system, now you have an ability. I'm a writer, or I can run really fast, or I'm able to communicate to people. You have, when you have a bunch of different chunks of knowledge and they're in that same solar system, you create an ability, and then those abilities come into conflict with other abilities. So it's the spatial representation. They come into conflict not because of what they are, but because of them interacting, smashing into each other. And that's why you get stuff like fighting and kicking and jumping and lightsaber battles and all the fun genre stuff when you have the overall story through line in activity. Whereas when you have an overall story through line in the universe domain, when it's all about the actual the things themselves, you refer more to the balance between things. When you think of the weights and the mass, the, the differential between the two is which one is heavier than the other and where are the imbalances in that universe. It's all about looking at the context of where you are seeing. It's actually all about the context that you're looking at it. So you can look at the same thing. You can look at the solar system in terms of the mass, the different masses of the different planets, or you can look at them in terms of where they are uh, as they rotate around the sun, the different spatial relationships, that would be ability. So that's how I actually think of the difference between situation and activity. I don't see it as like, well, they're, they're stuck in this situation and that's why they're fighting. And I don't think of it as, well, they're in this activity and that's why they're fighting is because they're, they're fighting each other. I actually roll it back, not only to just universe and physics, but actually roll it back beyond that to think of at the same time, think of both mass and uh, mass and a uh, mass in space, and also think of knowledge and ability. So once you're able to juggle all those in your mind, then you see beyond the actual terminology that's there, and you don't get caught up in what's actually written in the definitions. So when it says, or when he asks, uh, what did he ask? Oh, how would you recommend keeping those two domains untangled? And I understand that when I said. Uh, something is out of whack in this universe, something out of balance with the way things are externally ordered. I could see how that could be misinterpreted as like, well, now everything's a universe. But it's all about the actual context of where you're seeing the problem. And if you're seeing it based on their their relative uh, weights, their relative balances, that is what's actually out of whack. So with these stories that I listed before in that article, in that podcast, like The Fugitive, Shawshank Redemption, Prestige... I feel like I had another one, but I can't think of it right now, where you have people who are unjustly accused of a crime they didn't commit, and that's where the actual problem is. It's like, okay, Andy Dufresne is, has been locked up. He's in this overall story through line. He's, he's actually, he's been unjustly imprisoned. He didn't kill his wife, which, you know, we eventually find out at the end, but the story for him is about the entire story all at once. That is what's out of whack. That's where the inequity is. That's where the imbalance is. It's not so much about the sisters beating the crap out of him, although that's obviously not very comfortable. <laughs> and then they, you know, uh, and the, the different goings on as far as being held, you know, out over the edge of a rooftop, that kind of stuff. But that's interesting because, see, that's his influence character through line, and that's he's actually in physics. That's where his through line is. But everyone is dealing with the fact that this guy is here who shouldn't be here. Uh, same thing with the fugitive. 
There's a, he's this guy who shouldn't be here. In other words, this nice doctor who's killed his wife, he shouldn't be here. And now we have to get past this situation. So my, my greatest uh, recommendation for actually leveling up your understanding of dramatic and being able to separate out situation from activity is once again, roll back to the original terminology and start using universe and physics. And the reason why you use universe and physics, the reason why you want to pull yourself away from what's comfortable is because you're actually looking at how your mind works and how your mind sees things. It shouldn't be comfortable. You should start thinking of the context of things. So when I, when you look and say, well, is the overall story in universe, that's much different than, well, is the overall story in situation? Are they in a, a situation? Everybody's in a bad situation. It's a great shorthand for the short definition of what that, uh, part on the the model is but it keeps you from actually learning it keeps you from understanding what's really there what's going what's going on so i can totally see and like i said i'm going to go back through all my old analysis and go back and change everything back to the original terminology because i feel like that's the best way uh, writers and producers and directors and people in the future are going to be able to elevate and accelerate their understanding of narrative because if somebody comes to them i mean and they both want to understand it and they say well the, the influence characters through line is in physics it's like oh okay so it's a it's the physical spatial relationship between things it's not just activity it's not just, i'm just doing things there's a, the context of the conflict is physics in the conflict of, of the context of conflict uh like in in mike's story are uh, is psychology psychology works so much better than manipulation because manipulation forces you to Actually, everything has to be manipulative instead of just the psychology of things. That's what's actually screwed up. And mind and fixed attitude. Mind and fixed attitude are actually pretty dang close. Although with fixed attitude, you're kind of missing out on uh, the, the state, the static part of uh, the state of mind. You're, you're missing out on where the whole preconscious fits in. That I tend to think you, you look over that bit because of that. So for me, the best way to separate out situation, <laughs> oops, been doing this a while. The best way to separate out, blah, separate out universe from physics. Uh, well, actually, yeah, the best way to separate out situation from activity when you're trying to identify the source of conflict in a particular through line is to first roll back to the old terminology and start thinking in terms of universe and physics and then roll back even further and think of the base elements of what make up those terms, knowledge and ability and mass and space. Next up, we revisit the through lines of the prestige uh, before, well, actually, maybe after you listen to this podcast, before I get to the actual through lines of the prestige, the ones that I identified in my analysis a couple weeks ago, I want to go through a, a letter that I received asking me, basically challenging me on my analysis of the film, which I always welcome. I always think it's great. Uh, in the past, you know, I, I, I had doubt was in an accurate story form. Uh, Moonlight was in inaccurate story form. 
the original analysis of the sixth sense we had wrong, where we originally thought uh, Malcolm was in situation because he's dead, which really wasn't the source of his problem. That's another great one. And that one we thought he was in situation and the little kid was Cole was in fixed attitude because he was disturbed and that's what was influencing him. But during uh, a class, one of my classes where we were analyzing it at CalArts, one of the kids mentioned, or we ended up coming to the conclusion that he really was a beer, that Malcolm was a beer, which would mean his domain is mind, which he's stuck in his mind. That's where the actual comment is. He's totally seeing things wrong. The, he's seeing things incorrectly. His perception's way off. And Cole himself, he's the one that's in the domain of a universe, right? Because he's got all these ghosts around him. Again, that's a great example of why you need to switch back to the older terminology. Anyways, so this was a challenge towards my analysis of the prestige, and I welcome that. So if you ever read something and you you don't feel that I'm correct or whatever, of course, definitely write in and it gives me stuff to talk about. And, you know, if I'm incorrect, I'll definitely correct it because I'm more interested in getting the story form right and most accurate than I am in proving how right I am. I feel like I have a bit of experience, so I have a, a clearer understanding of how everything works, but occasionally, and you can hear this in the dramatic user group analysis, occasionally I get off on completely different tangents, and that's always because it's like I project my own experience onto the analysis, which is really hard to, to be objective. That's why it's great to have more than one person in that big group setting. Uh, when you're looking at the narratives that aren't perhaps as clear, like Ishkanul, that last one we did, I for some reason I was just obsessed with the overall story in psychology, and I just had that in there. I just had that as in my head. That's what it was, and I basically confirmation bias. I looked for the right answers so that I could prove that. But as you'll hear if you listen to that podcast or watch that. Video analysis, I when I go to actually argue it, it just completely falls apart, which is great. I mean, then that, that's great because then we finally got to the, the most accurate version of that. So yes, if you have any questions or comments or arguments with something, please, of course, write in so that I can fix it. So uh, writing in about the prestige, uh, let's see. Oh, the first one was about the main character test, which I will get to another time. That's a completely different subject about how Hugh Jackman is the main character, not Christian Bale. And uh, I'll, I'll get back to that one a different time. But the one I'm more interested in for this week, because it kind of ties in with everything about using Dramatica the right way, are the domains. And it's interesting because his collection of domains that he put in here were uh, very similar to what I had originally. In fact, this was the... This was. Now that I'm looking over it, this was originally where I thought it was. And you can listen to the story forming episode of The Prestige, uh, where I explain it, and then also the podcast analysis of it, where I go over how when I went through and actually started to figure out the dynamics, everything underneath just didn't fall into place. And the great thing about a dramatic story form when it works is it works on all levels. It works on the genre level, it works on the plot level, it works on the theme level, it works on the character level, up and down, all over the place, it works like all the different thematic story points all fit together and it's like you can always argue one through line one concern you can always argue one level all the different domains which is what's going on here but then when you actually dive down and you look at what's underneath you quickly find out that it just doesn't feel right and 
the only way to make it feel right is to make it work on all four levels. That's the genius of the entire theory, is that it actually holds everything together. So the letter uh, identifies for the prestige uh, the relationship story as rivals in activity and gathering information, the overall story as the price of magic and manipulation and conceiving an idea, the main character, Robert Angier, which is great, in fixed attitude and contemplation, and the influence character, Alfred Borden, in situation and the present. So uh, let's first dive into... Let's go with the, uh, should I start at the top? Uh, let's start at the top. Relationship story, rivals, activity, gathering information. Throughout the film, Angier's and Borden's relationship is about trying to uncover secrets. One of the first scenes with just the two of them involves watching the old magician and then trying to figure out his secrets together. Where's the problem in that? When it comes to Dramatica and identifying the source of conflict, you always want to find the source of conflict. This is the, the second part of using Dramatica the right way. The first part is to roll back to the old terminology. The second part is to actually identify sources of conflict, not what they're doing, not using the story points as descriptions of storytelling, but actually using the story points as elements of the story form. There's a difference. Dramatica is not a storytelling machine. You could likely say save the cat or the hero's journey, those kind of things, those are storytelling machines because they're actually developing the actual storytelling. They're not dealing with the thematic story points, the actual story form. They're not showing you where the source of conflict is in the story. They're giving you story weaving and storytelling techniques. Dramatica is all about the story form. So when you look at the different through lines in a particular film or book or novel, wait, book and novel are the same thing, or play, when you look at the different through lines in a narrative, you're actually identifying where there is a problem. So there's no real problem in the two of them watching The Old Magician. Uh, another point, throughout the movie, their relationship is defined not simply by trying to outperform each other with tricks, but more importantly, working out the other secrets. How often when they think of each other do they say, I have to know how he does it? This is a subjective interpretation of the story form. Yes, the characters themselves are involved in an activity in gathering information. I would totally agree with that but the story form itself isn't identifying problems in the narrative as coming from that learning. It's not, the problem isn't, I have to know how he does it. The problem is that there's something in the past that's completely out of whack, that he's set him up for the ultimate undoing, and it's whether or not he's going to be able to get out of that. That's where the actual source of the problem is. It's coming from that, that universal relationship, that universe relationship between things. Another point in the relationship story. This obsession about learning the secrets is very much tied to the two of them, defining their relationship together, and almost no one else in the movie cares. In fact, everyone else is telling them to drop it. So that was actually my idea why I thought it was the overall story in activity. That was my original concept. But again, uh, it's not about defining their relationship. It's You always have to look for the source of conflict. And I, I have not seen... There isn't one example of conflict in any of these three points. So that's the relationship story. So let's go on to the overall story, the price of magic and manipulation conceiving an idea. Everyone in the movie is trying to manipulate each other completely. Michael Caine keeps trying to get them to think like old school magicians, to know their limits and live within them, to stop trying so hard to be the greatest that they go too far. Okay, why is that a problem? Like he tells that to them and they're like, no, I'm not doing that. There's no actual inequity there. To have an inequity 
in psychology, there actually has to be, and I'll get into explanation of this uh, in the article this week, there has to be an actual thing that's like out of whack. Like, it's not just I'm manipulating you. I'm, and that's why the mani- manipulation part doesn't work so well. It's more like I, I have, we have different ways of how we think, and that's what's actually creating conflict between us. The best example is, and I'm giving away the first week of the Dramatic Mentorship Program, but the best example is a simple plan, which is all about conceptualizing. Everyone in that story has a different concept of what they're going to do with the money, and that concept is actually driving their conflict. It's what's driving them to get at each other's throats and undermine other people's plans because it doesn't fit in with their vision of what they want. Michael Caine's character is not trying to, uh, he's not trying to get them to conceive some of the stories actually, there aren't problems with him, them coming up with the idea that they shouldn't be doing this kind of thing. There's definitely an element of storytelling to that, but that's not actually where an inequity is. Scarlett Johansson and Rebecca Hall both get involved in various manipulations, Scarlett deceiving both of them, Rebecca hiding the fact for much of the story that she knows when Borden loves her and when he doesn't. That is, again, that's a great, brilliant, subjective uh, feeling of what that character is going through, a subjective interpretation of it. The Dramatica story form is an objective look at everything that's going on. Uh, the, the trick, the other trick is to get out of the heads of the characters when you're looking at the story form. So her problems aren't about her manipulating or hiding the fact that's not the conflict between her and uh, her husband. That's not really made a, a point in the entire realm of the story. The realm of the story really, and I'm giving away where I'm coming from, the problem is that Borden is doing things that are screwing up everyone around him. He's influencing everyone because he's keeping up the secret, and that's what's creating conflict. There aren't. It's not about the manipulation that's actually creating the conflict. Maybe perhaps from the uh, character's point of view, and it'll be interesting to look at the plot sequence report and see if that is in fact where the problems in the story are coming from. Maybe it's twisted like that. I will check that out. But as far as like where the actual problems in the story, if they stop manipulating each other, that doesn't end the conflict. He's still going to be doing it, and that's what's actually creating the conflict. Tesla warns Angiers away from the machine, trying to get him to conceive that there are some things man isn't meant to know. Total. That's a total storytelling way of looking at conceiving. You need to stop thinking of this. Okay. As opposed to uh, like ratatouille, anyone can cook. And then that's actually, what do you mean? Well, yeah, anyone can cook. So I'm going to cook. I'm going to be a rat and I'm going to put all this stuff together. Whoa, wait a second. That's a conceiving issue right there because it's like, well, I've been told that anyone can cook and No, I want you to conceive of giving over the entire restaurant to me, that kind of stuff. All of them are constantly asking this question, how far are you willing to go? Again, that's looking at the characters. If you're you're pointing out what all of them are constantly asking, you're looking at the point of view of the characters, uh, which is great for a writer, but when it comes to using dramatic, you have to step out of the writer role and kind of look at it from an analysis point of view. The main character, Robert Angier, Fixed Attitude. Angier is obsessed with him, seeing himself as grace, and you should absolutely agree with this but I think it's more in the domain of psychology. As is pointed out to him constantly throughout the film, he has everything he needs to be content. It's his contemplation that screws him up. He ignores all the good things in his life and only judges himself based on whether or not he's the greatest. Okay, so if he stopped thinking that he... If he stopped contemplating, it's his contemplation that screws him up. Okay, but it's not a switch. It's not like, okay, I'm going to stop thinking that I'm the greatest and that's going to end it. He wants... He wants everybody else to 
this concept of him that he is the greatest magician. I mean, he's got a, a plan. He's he's got a a vision of what is supposed to be and what he's going to make that. And it's his sense of self. I agree that that's his issue 100% that is driving the conflict in there. He, he can't rest. That's the desire problem. Absolutely, up and down. I, I feel like what he's identifying here are the main character problem desire elements, not the actual through line, not the domain of where all the conflict is coming from. And here, there's a great line in the dramatic dictionary definition of contemplation. When one has all the facts, knows all the impact, both positive and negative, when one is fully aware of detrimental consequences and still decides on the poor course of action, there's something wrong with the way one arrives at conclusions. Doesn't that perfectly sum up both the source of Angier's conflicts and goals? I would say that this is taking the letter of the law too much. It's not that he's overly contemplating. If you look at the gists for contemplation, you have wondering and and uh, what are some of the other gists in there? Let's see here. If you look at the gist for conscious, you have being attentive, being conscious, being preoccupied, brooding over, concentrating, contemplating meditating. He's not a ponderous person. It's not like 12 angry men where everybody's pondering over and wondering and they're going back and forth. And it's not like doubt where there is this this feeling of, of doubt because of what they they think. That's what's actually causing the problem. In this, it's how he thinks and how he's going about envisioning himself as this master magician. That's the difference between how you're thinking and what you're actually thinking. And so again, this is a, a, the point of looking at contemplation in terms of just that definition. And when you look at it, it's like, oh yeah, I guess I could wrap my head around and think like, okay, yeah, maybe he is waffling back and forth. And although even saying that doesn't make quite much sense to me. But if you think of it in terms of mind, uh, does he have a mind problem? I the, the issue here is that the problem of desire is an element of the mind. So then that feels like, oh, okay, well, maybe that is, is what's working here. But it's on a different level. It's a different scope. So if you look at it in terms of mind uh, and even energy, that's that's the other one back there. I, I don't really see thought as being the source of conflict there. It's definitely desire, right? So if you look at the base elements, knowledge, ability, thought, and desire, mind is in thought. So it's not the thoughts that are causing him problems. It's desires. In a, in a very broad sense. And then finally, his uh, points for influence character, Alfred Borden's situation in the present. Borden is stuck on freaking death row. His situation means unless he gives Angiers the secret, it will be lost forever. But that's not how he's influencing him. There's no conflict there. Yes, it's awful that he's, this is the problem with the situation. But if you were to put Alfred Borden in universe, his universe means he, unless he gives Angiers the secret, it'll be lost forever. How is that even a conflict? That doesn't even feel right. What's the biggest way in which he confounds not just Angiers, but everyone else? He's in two places at once. His situation of having a twin brother is the source of this power. Yes, he talks about commitment and conditioning and such, but none of this would be relevant to the story if it weren't for his situation and the way it enables him to confound Angiers with duplicate mantric. This is a great example of arguing one through line. That's a good argument for the influence character through line in universe for sure. But it is deficient when you look in terms of the other three through lines. The other three through lines don't fit. I mean, the relationship story and the overall story certainly don't fit. And the main character there, I could see where you could maybe see fixed attitude because again, that's where I originally had it. 
Uh, but here, the influence character, that if you just can argue one through line, but the other three don't fit, that's a really clear indication. You can always argue one context because you're always looking at it from the corner of your eye. But when you can't argue, make a convincing argument for all four at once, that's when you run into trouble. Now, if you would like to see my point of view as far as the four through lines of The Prestige, and uh, you can either check out the story forming episode of The Prestige, where I go through 20 minutes and describe how I came about it. It's a great episode. And I'll leave a link to that. Or you can check out the through lines of the Prestige this week. That's the through line Thursdays where I go through and you can see a visual representation of where the sources of conflict are in this story. And it works for all four through lines. Once you have all four through lines and you're actually identifying imbalances and inequities in those through lines and not just looking at the, the story points as storytelling, that's when you'll be able to uh, create a solid story form. Yes, you could say that Borden's situation is influencing Angier's fixed attitude. Again, those are removed from the, the original terminology. But then when it comes to the overall story and the relationship story, you're just talking about storytelling. The more accurate way is to look at it in terms of what he is actually doing that is impacting and influencing Angier's psychology. So to recap this idea of using Dramatica the right way, there are two things that you should remember. One is to revert and roll back to the original terminology. And I'm glad I'm doing this after working with some clients because it just came up with another writer. Uh, the first part of the Dramatica mentorship program is you go through the table of story elements and we go over films that have the same sort of genre, same sort of concern, same sort of plot feel so that you can get an idea of what those stories are like. And his first go-round was completely off. It wasn't even close, trying to assign where the different through lines of a certain film, where they were actually where the source of conflict was. And that's because he was using the terms situation, fixed attitude, manner of thinking, and activities. Now, the funny thing is, is I didn't actually describe or define them any more than actually say, well, these were the original terminology. Uh, the situation was a universe. Fixed attitude is mind, activity is physics, and manner of thinking is psychology. So just knowing those four words, universe, psychology, physics, and mind, he instantly said, well, just knowing these terms, without even thinking it further, I would have picked something completely different. And right there is a clear indication of, I mean, this is somebody who is just in the first six weeks of being exposed to Dramatica and, and can tell that there's something there, but isn't quite sure exactly how it all plays out. Just going back to the original terminology there, he instantly got it. And and then he nailed all the other through lines. It's like, well, yeah, clearly the overall story is in blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to tell you what it is because that gives away the first week in case you want to do the dramatic adventureship. Uh, but I, I think it's great that that happened in between, uh, in between recordings so that I could come back and let you know that going back to that original terminology is the first step in using Dramatica the right way. The second way... Uh, deals with the the prestige, the analysis that I did earlier, and this idea of the difference between storytelling and story form. So all that other stuff like Save the Cat, Hero's Journey, uh, everything else deals with storytelling. It deals with the subjective experience of what it's like to go through a story. Dramatica deals with the story form, the actual ingredients of a story. It's very objective. It's very clear-cut, dried, very to the letter. And 
the mistake that you can get into is to start to think of the different dramatica story points as actual storytelling and this happens a lot it comes up a lot every year we do that embroidery class the users group meeting is something that's been going on for decades where we meet the second tuesday of every month and go over a film uh, last night was or actually i guess tonight was uh, jungle book uh, the live action version of it and every month we go through a film different genre analyze it and come up with a story form for it well in december what we actually do is we create a random story form use the gist to populate it with some storytelling and then we do a round robin and everybody picks a story point and we kind of do this creation thing where you you create a story out of nothing and it's really fun especially about an hour and a half in because then it actually comes to life uh, and it's always fun to try and make people laugh with your different ideas but one of the things that I'm always harping on, and sometimes Chris lets go, but I, I feel like it's super important, is why is that a problem? So somebody might say a concern of progress. Well, everybody's concerned with how the world is evolving. Okay, why is that a problem? Being concerned with how the world is evolving or how it's progressing isn't really a problem unless you make it a problem. You can't assume. A lot of people just assume because they think it's a problem, their audience is automatically going to think it's a problem. Uh, something like Iron Giant, the overall story concern is progress. It's like everybody is so panicked, almost like paranoid about the Red Menace, that kind of thing, that they are driven to spy on people and to think that there's something worse going on than is really going on. So that is an example of progress being shown as a problem. It's not just, well, they're concerned about how things are going. And that's where you'll get nothing out of the story form. You just, you'll come up with whatever it is that you want. You have to actually make, or you actually have to define why they are problems. So domain concern issue and problem, they're all problems. And you just need to define why they are, you know, why there's actual conflict there. You, you can't just use the story points as storytelling as a, you know, what's actually going on. And that previous letter about the prestige is all about using the different story points as storytelling, what the characters themselves are going through rather than what the story is showing to be a problem. For example, I remember when I was teaching story at CalArts, there was one student who had a great simple idea. Everybody was supposed to do like a two minute, three minute film. And his idea was there was, imagine, you know, a long fuse that was running through a building and at the end of it was a giant explosive. And so the guy, he was constantly, you know, trying to stop the fuse because if it got there, it would blow everything up. And I think, I don't remember how his story actually turned out, but I recall that Originally, it was it was probably ended the way most student films are ended, which is kind of like that Ratatouille thing where you have this magic flashback that reminds you of everything. And, oh, yeah, that's right. You see a picture of your childhood, and then now you want to be a child again, and then you go back to it. I think that's how it ended. When, in reality, what he was dealing with were the elements of protection and inaction. So protection uh, is the problem in this context and inaction was the solution and the way that plays out you know if if you'd come up with a story form and this was your entire story was just about this fuse going there and you were driven to protect driven to safeguard against this fuse you couldn't you don't you wouldn't just write when you're writing it or coming up with the idea of different scenes it's not just a matter of saying well you know mark is mark is overprotective uh, when it comes to his family in this building, okay? Like maybe he's got a, a couple kids, maybe his partner's there, and he's like, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm protective of them. 
Mark's overprotective, uh, and I don't know, maybe it annoys people. Or There's really nothing there. Mark's driven to protect his family. Okay, there. Okay, that's not a problem. That's just using it as storytelling. You know, main character problem of protection. Mark is driven to protect his family. What would be better, and this is what I suggested to the student, is every time he tries to protect his family, he actually makes matters worse. So when that fuse is burning and, and you know slowly getting closer and closer, each time he would try to cut it to try and protect it, it would actually split into two and make matters worse. And so there the author is actually showing how somebody driven to protect is creating more problems than they're actually solving. When in reality, if all they would do is inaction and do nothing, the fuse would just slowly burn out and everything would be fine. That's how you tell a story. That's how you use the problem and solution as actual story points in a story form instead of thinking of them in terms of storytelling. For instance, there are some people who think building a wall between the U.S. and Mexico is going to save everybody. And so they're driven to protect, right? There's lots of justifications and reasons for doing it. So they think, all right, well, we will build up this wall. Now, somebody who is creating a narrative about that and would like to show how that is actually not a good thing, they could show how protection as an overall story problem creates more problems. The more you build up that wall, the more animosity that creates between the two sides, the more uh, people feel isolated, so they're driven to be more desperate, and they're, the actual act of protecting is creating more problems than it's solving. Whereas in this story, you could just do nothing and just watch as all the tensions slowly fade away and die out. That is how you use the story form to actually define the source of conflict in your story. Another example from recent, there was an interesting article in The Guardian this week, which I will probably be writing more about, about how we have to change the narratives and the stories that we tell ourselves. And part of this understanding will go hand in hand with an understanding of the dramatic theory of story. My example of the protection and the wall between the US and Mexico, that's a perfect example of how you can actually use the elemental structure of a, a narrative as far as dramatic is concerned and actually write a story and actually teach people or actually show them how there's a different approach that could actually solve problems. Uh, another current event uh, would be this idea of gun control. Uh, if you look as far as things getting worse, that you would find in progress, under progress, you would find issues of threat, which both sides feel threat on either side. And of course, underneath there, you would find the element of theory. Theory as a problem isn't, it's not strong enough to say, you know, the senator, let's say, uh, Senator Steve theorizes that this creating more gun control laws would lead to uh, a totalitarian government, right? That's the idea that the more gun control you have, then you will have a totalitarian government and then that will lead to the enslavement of all mankind. So that would be the idea of, of talking about theory, but you're just using theory, as far as dramatic is concerned, as storytelling. He's just theorizing. As opposed to creating a narrative where you show how the theory actually creates problem, actually creates more conflict, so that that drive being driven by that theory actually makes it possible for more people to have access to weapons like this that actually create more problems and more devastation. You would actually show that 
in the story and you would show how the solution for, for problems of theory, and theory would be on both sides. So it's not only this theory that it's going to be a totalitarian state, but also this theory that having more gun control would actually make things better and, and safer. And then you would show how the statistics like that in other countries is not true. <laughs> you, you have both sides, like I said in the beginning about the protagonist and the antagonist on either side, good guys, bad guys, whichever ones are the good guys and whichever ones are the bad guys. You position them so that they're both experiencing conflict through theory. And then the solution there is the hunch. The dynamic opposite to theory is hunch, which, you know, trust me, if everything else in Dramatica works, then it must be. The, the opposite to creating a causal relationship, cause and effect, and creating these theories is just to go with your gut, with your intuition. And that, to me, speaks more of how you would actually be able to solve this problem in this context is if people actually went with their intuition and went with their gut instead of just focusing on their competing theories and trying to prove who's right and who's wrong. If you actually went with your gut and actually led with intuition and did what feels right, you would actually be able to solve this problem of progress. That's how you would be able to craft the narrative and that's how you'd be able to change the story that we're being told. That's the right way to use Dramatica. This whole podcast has been about the right way to use Dramatica. And what I'm talking about right now is the right way, if I could italicize that, the right way to use Dramatica to make the world a better place by telling better stories, not just for entertainment, but telling better stories in order to make the world a better place. That's it for this week's podcast. If you have any questions about any of this, please write to me at narrativefirst.com contact. I hope you have a great week of writing. And I will see you next time.